Welcome to the NPX Innovation Chattelist Podcast, the podcast where we talk to innovative leaders in the nuclear industry and beyond. I'm your host, Margaret Macbeth, co-founder and innovation catalyst at NPX. We are excited today to have Jason White, Director of Station Engineering at Pickering and founder of XLab, the Innovation Accelerator at Ontario Power Generation. Also with us is Dominique Lachance, the Senior Strategist with the Engineering Group at Bruce Power and also the founder of the Innovation Nucleus, Bruce Power's Innovation Hub. So welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're podcasting today from Office Neptune uh, in the beautiful town of Kincardine, Ontario. Uh, and want to start off uh, kind of breaking the ice, uh, getting things started, uh, and asking you both, what's the weirdest thing we might find in your backpack or pocket? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to show us, just tell us. Mm. Good one. Earplugs. It's <laughs> um, the weirdest thing. That's a really good question. Um, um, I, I can't, I have one. I can't tell you though. Okay. It's not for air. Um, yeah, a bunch of money clips maybe. Yeah. I don't have anything weird. I'm a pretty boring guy. Everything is normal. I would disagree with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I know we, we primed this earlier. We were talking about electric vehicles and, uh, and in particular one, uh, sort of, uh, controversial vehicle that has, uh, recently been launched. But curious because, you know, you're both in the innovation space, um, reflecting on the Cybertruck launch. What were your thoughts on it? One. And, you know, what did you, um, how did you maybe empathize a little bit with Elon as he stood up there on the stage? <laughs> Do you want to go first? Oh, I love Hey, you know what? I, I loved it. Uh, first, well, first of all, Elon probably can, can spend some time working on his presentation skills in general. Uh, but that, that aside, I loved it. Um, and a couple of reasons why I loved it. I, I like, I like pushing, people pushing the envelope and his design certainly pushes the envelope and, you know, we talked earlier a bit about, you know, the reaction. The reaction is very polarizing. Either you love it or you hate it. But, you know, you, you usually hate it because of all the preconceived notions, everything you've thought of before and what a truck is supposed to look like. It is absolutely not that. It reminds me of the Homer Simpson episode. If you remember, Homer creates his own truck, car. <laughs> yes. Uh, for those in the audience. Um, but it's, uh, but also with his testing, I thought the way he reacted was amazing. And uh, for those of you that did see the presentation where he did, th- they threw the, the ball at it and the steel ball and it broke the windows, this indestructible window. And, you know, he basically, you know, well, I guess he swore and then he went straight into, okay, well, it's still under development and just moved on. Like, frankly, like the, that's it. And that's, that's the Elon Musk that I like. And that's why I, I do respect the guy. Like, he's such a genius. Like, he's a, he's a bit eccentric. And that's what you need. But he's pushing the limit on so many, so many levels, right? And when I first saw the truck for me, it's like, okay, that's a joke. <clears throat> this is like a, something on the wheel that he just put at the last second to just make people react. And then, and then I realized, no, no, that's the real thing. And it took me about three days to really start appreciating that new thing. I guess you may be faster than me at appreciating the innovation. For me, it took, it took me a few days. But now I can say I actually like it. I think, and for the same reason that you just did, you're pushing the envelope and you're starting to demolish the preconceived notion of what innovation is all about, right? So, yeah, I kind of like it now. 
Yeah, I, I admire the the risk taking, and I, I agree with you. He rolled with it, which was you know things probably couldn't have gone worse in that presentation. <laughs> and then he added. I mean, he just started the presentation, and here he is just in front of his crushed window for the rest of the fifteen minutes. But uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. All right. So both of you, both engineers. Uh, Dom, I believe you are a mechanical engineer from Eco Polytechnique, yeah. and uh, Jason, engineering physics from McMaster. We've got some, we've got some folks in the room with that uh, alma mater and program. Excellent. <laughs> we'll talk <laughs> after. Polytechnique here? No, no, no Dom. Only <laughs> <laughs> French. Um, but I, I know you both have had uh, you know long careers within the the nuclear industry. Uh, Dom at Bruce Power, uh, Jason at uh, Pickering. Um, so just you know, it's it. We don't always associate innovation with nuclear or uh, innovative mindsets or doing things differently. So can you tell us a little bit about the origin story of, of you and the, the innovation hubs that you've created? And maybe Jason, I'll have you start us off. Yeah, sure. I, um, okay, so of me, well, origin story of me, that's a whole other <laughs> ball of wax. But uh, so I, I, I'm, I, I've always been, uh, I've always loved technology. And so obviously... High school decided, you know what, um, marks were good enough, might as well go into engineering and see what I can do. But I didn't really look at nuclear. It wasn't even close to my brain at all. And when I went to McMaster, I was lucky enough to, to spend some time in the reactor there. So throughout my programming and throughout the, the degree, I became more and more aware of what nuclear technology is and how much it was awesome. And the engineering physics program was, is an amazing program at McMaster. And so I became, I had a love for it and I, and I had the chance to work for OPG and uh, straight out of university, which was fantastic. And so really enjoyed, really enjoyed that piece. Um, but no one expects to, uh, to start, you know, there is no right or wrong on the, on your, on your journey with regards to where you are and where you want to go. Like I didn't believe I'd become an engineering manager. I didn't believe I'd even stay in nuclear. I didn't believe I'd be getting into innovation. I didn't, I didn't believe I'd be up here on a podcast talking to you guys. There's, there's nothing that's kind of um, new there. It just, it just happens sometimes. And so about four years ago for the innovation story or the, or the kind of development of X-Lab, uh, we, we, we had a, a new CEO come. Uh, his name was Jeff Lyash. Uh, he's, he's from the, the United States. And from Duke Energy is where he came from. And one of his mandates when he was at Duke and one of his passions at Duke was driving innovation. And he drove, for example, uh, machine learning, AI, pattern recognition for machine diagnostics at Duke. He started that. And when he came to, when he, he was um, recruited and he came to Ontario Power Generation, he brought that mindset. He brought the mindset of everything's got to change. The world that we live in is changing. I want everyone to focus on innovation and technology. So what that did was just open the, the minds, open the ears of the senior leadership and the executive leadership staff. And normally what you do in nuclear is you, you put a fleet initiative together to see how you can change the culture and how you can change how we do business. And um, at the same time, I was becoming passionate about innovation and what we call intrapreneurship. So finding ways to innovate inside your company. And I wrote a white paper. I sent that to my chief nuclear engineer at the same time. Um, so this Nuclear Fleet Initiative on Innovation, Technology, and Culture at OPG, I had a chance to lead it. So um, I obviously brought some of my ideas with me, and I, I did some, some operating experience. Or I, or I had some benchmarking at Communitech, uh, started going to different accelerators in the world just to try to understand what's good look like. 
And I was able to start something called X Lab at Darlington. And then it wasn't that successful when I started. It was uh, probably about six people. Um, a couple people were really into it and really progressed innovation. Uh, that's when I created the logo, uh, started getting the terms of reference. Here's what we are, here's what we do. But I was, at the time, I was the design authority. And the design authority uh, is amazing at a company at, in nuclear because you can change and modify the whole power plant. But you don't necessarily have full autonomy with resources, money, people, whatever it may be. And it wasn't until I became the director of engineering at Pickering where I had about 300 engineers I was able to draw upon, either dotted line or straight line to me. And I also had, I own two buildings. And when you own two buildings, you get to create amazing spaces. So the first, pretty much the first six months I was there, I was, this is what I'm doing. This is, I've got the money. It's in my back pocket and no one can stop me. Well, they could have stopped me, but they didn't. And um, I was able to create a space. I was able to create a culture and, and, and drove, um, um, I would say, innovation velocity from a site standpoint and being able to drive innovation uh, tangibly at, at within the engineering community. And that kind of, I, again, that just, just expanded throughout uh, the whole company. And um, that's why I'm, I, I feel myself quite lucky to get into that. It's not my day job. It's my side job. But, um, but certainly it, it has impacted my day job because we're able to improve reliability, safety, cost, um, and the culture is the biggest piece. And I'll always keep talking about it. I'll mention it about a thousand times here uh, how impactful creating an environment that's, that's autonomous. You have some flexibility, some freedom. You can dream. You can create. It's incredible what that does to culture and people's happiness level. And uh, Pickering, especially because we have a shelf life with regards to our plant operation, we will end at some point. You need the culture and you need to have that drive. And it, it's been fantastic. That's the Coles notes version. Wow. Well, I don't know what to say. Same as him. <laughs> no, it's actually, it's, it's, I guess it's a bit different, but a very similar uh, path, I guess. I didn't start in any, I didn't study nuclear, uh, you know, industry uh, or in nuclear energy in, in, uh, in university. I did some, um, I, I did do a master's degree in energy. And uh, so basically energy was always the focus in whatever I was doing. And uh, my first job was actually in Montreal as a consulting uh, engineer there. And it was to apply energy efficiency in buildings. So basically, can you retrofit geothermal energy, you know, kind of into hospitals, right? So very kind of pushing the limits on that, on that level, but really not in the nuclear industry at all. <clears throat> and, and I always thought that how amazing would it be to actually apply these things at the source, right? So when this opportunity came up at Bruce Power, I just took it, even though I didn't start it as a, as a really in my field, I just got in and then I became a thermal performance engineer at Bruce Power and I was able to apply, you know, computer models to try to simulate the plant and see where there's opportunities and cross effects and synergies and so on and try to really push the limit on that level. But it was not as easy. I find that the, uh, my first experience with nuclear was a bit of a, holy camoli, you know, like it's, this is like... <laughs> The 70s, you know, like, what's, what, what's going on here? <clears throat> so for me, I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel for a while. And it's only recently that a new CEO again comes in. And now we're more, we went from survival, getting a deal with the province and extending the life of the unit to, okay, now we have a future. Let's make it, you know, the best we can. So we need to be more, you know, efficient. We need to, and how do you do that? You have to change. Business as usual is not an option. So... And with that in mind, I think it really triggered a lot of different behaviors uh, from executives down to, to the department and so on. And I had this opportunity to kind of start a, 
I guess not as um, the scope is not the same as XLab. Obviously, now it's more okay. We have tons of equipment out there. Can we make make it more reliable, more efficient? How do we do that? Well, we need a monitoring and diagnostic center. How do we do that? We can apply the production tools that we have now, or we can actually do that and in parallel innovate and introduce machine learning, AI, you name it, put the transmitters where they, they belong and then pull the data and make it. So that really uh, hit the spot for me. And when I, I saw that, I jumped on the opportunity and I got it and I'm very uh, grateful for that. And I'm working with all kinds of people that, you know, like NPX, I get all the nerds of the company <laughs> to work with me. I st no, not here. No nerds here. And I, I, um, I basically... <laughs> There's some gems hidden in the company that are really waiting for this opportunity and put a smile on their face, right? So basically, okay, instead of filling up forms, now I can actually do some data science stuff. And then you, you pull these people in and now they're starting to enjoy what they're doing. And you can see the, uh, the, the trickle effect, I guess, in the, in the company. And a lot of more people want to, to do that. So that's very exciting for me. So we're still, a, I would say, embryonic, <laughs> a very small group. <laughs> Uh, not to the same level of maturity as XLab, but I think we're uh, we're accelerating, and I think uh, probably you know some people in the room could witness that. And I think the the future is bright, and uh, nuclear is changing. Not maybe not by it's we have no choice, right? If we want to be here around for a while, we need to just jump in the innovation wagon and and make it work. So. I think it's interesting, and you both touched on this point, this idea of creating a space where innovation can happen, where, where people can <clears throat> can try their crazy ideas, where there's safety around it and ability to uh, uh, try things out. Um, and there's some interesting research that shows that um, if you can harness people in organizations who are, who are frustrated, who are unhappy with the status quo, um, that can be very powerful. Kind of find those misfits, but utilize them really well. So just curious, like, have you been able to find those people within your organization? Any stories you can share about <laughs> harnessing the power of misfits? I, yes. I, I, our, our whole team's misfits. And I would say, you know, I'm looking around. I see a lot of misfits here. So I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, I get to leave, you see. You guys got to, um, it, it, misfits are everything, right? You need the people to think differently. And, and when I started, it's really interesting, and you'll probably see it too, is when you start um, an innovation exercise where you're trying to create and think differently, um, you know, my, I had, I, I, I still remember quite clearly, I had my first meeting. So I pretty much invited 300 engineers to, hey, come on up. If you want to be part of this innovation exercise, let's, let's workshop it. And uh, so I had from that invite about 60 engineers show up and I could tell some got it and some were frankly, no. And um, I had another meeting after that, 20 people showed up. And then the meeting after that, about eight people showed up, and those were my misfits. <laughs> and from those misfits, you can only bring in so many at a time to take away from the day-to-day -day business. But you start to encourage and have them work part-time. And um, eventually, it, it grew and grew where... Um, for anyone that knows the lab, they're all misfits. And uh, like half the time, I've got like, I'm just shaking my head. Uh, but I think it's a good thing. Sounds familiar. I think it's a good thing. I must have some misfits on But it's so powerful because you don't want everyone to also think alike. Diversity of thought is so incredibly yeah. important. And in the nuclear industry, um, and, and these guys will, will see it because they're not brought, born and bred in the 60s nuclear industry. And... There's the thought process is so darn the same. 
and the backgrounds are so darn the same that it impacts your performance directly. So you must bring in people that think differently, different cultures, different ways of thinking, different upbringings, different ages, different everything, and um, different skill sets. And, and that's is so incredibly important. So the misfits are kind of everything. You build a company on misfits. You don't build a company on the status quo, right? I think Elon Musk is a misfit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? You can put a leather jacket on him. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> or he's either that or a robot. I don't know which one it is. No, yeah. I, I think your point on diversity of, of thought and diversity of backgrounds is really important. Um, I think some of the best ideas we've had within NPX have come from people who really have never, you know, never, didn't even think about nuclear until they, they started working with us. So um, what, like, what role does, do startup companies or people, again, totally outside of the industry who have a technology or have an idea that, you know, we wouldn't think could apply to nuclear, but, but does, what role does that play within your respective accelerators? Are you talking about NPX? Or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, critical. I think uh, the, my, my first reaction when I see a, uh, a board of some kind or uh, a group of people and I see they're all like middle-aged men from the nuclear industry, I'm looking around, I'm like, yeah, of course they're all going to agree, right? <clears throat> so it's good sometimes to kind of throw a, a bowling ball in there. And uh, I think that's the role of the startups and uh, the role of this non-nuclear industry kind of innovators to be integrated into our teams. I think it's, it's critical. And... Um, yeah, and I think I see it with, with NPX right now. I think I think you guys are bouncing ideas that I think probably were not <laughs> traditionally, you know, looked at in the, in the past. And I think that's really good. That's that's what we need in this industry. We need to get out of our nuclear kind of bubble. It's good. It needs to be safe. It needs to be a stable operation, but it doesn't mean that we can't innovate. And I think that's that's what uh, the startups are bringing. Can't agree more. Uh, um, it's so incredibly important uh, to take advantage of. When I say startups, there's a couple things that comes with startups. There's a, there is a different attitude, an aggression, a, a need, a drive that startups bring in that, that the normal staff doesn't have. Uh, but also they're working with technologies and they're working with different experiences, some inside nuke, some not inside nuke. And, and the, man, we need that. And, and the skill set as well. I'm not going to train an AI guy. I'm not necessarily, well, I am actually, but I'm not going to train uh, into VR. I'm not going to, because there are gaming developers that I will bring in to build my stuff. Yeah. So, so, and there's some of them are startups and some of them can design their companies around our needs, which is really kind of fantastic. We're doing that and we have to do that because we cannot drive technology any other way. It's just not profitable for us. And sometimes these startups are cheap. They're cheap compared to some of the big ones as well as if we were to do it ourselves. So you can move faster. They bring a different mindset, bring that technology. Um, it, it, I think it's just so incredibly important. And it's, uh, it's, you can't keep up really. If you try to do it all and try to uh, like, you need, you need, uh, you need help. I used to be the technical kind of specialist in my field and I was crunching the numbers and doing it all. And now I'm in a different role where there's no way I can keep up with uh, all of these new things, right? The Hadoop clusters and open source technology. And then people are talking to me. I'm like, okay, well, I trust you. And then you can actually now change your role and be an enabler. And then you see it like flourish in front of you, which is pretty interesting. I really like my role right now just because of that. But I'm kind of sad to not be the technical expert anymore. I, would, I wish I could be there and coding it, but I just can't keep up. So now I'm just trying to ena enable people. And I think you're probably in, maybe in the same, the same boat there. Uh, I think that's very, uh, very... Uh, I don't know. It's fine. Can you talk a little bit about that, both of you? Like, how do you enable your teams to innovate? And we talk about innovation now. You know, you can't 
you can't go anywhere without hearing innovation as a sort of a buzzword. But how do you, I guess, one, what does innovation actually mean to your teams? And, and how do you make that happen? How do you enable that as leaders? The, um, so if anyone is familiar with Dan Pink's theory of motivation, autonomy, mastery, purpose, and giving them, so how we motivate and drive innovation with our team and enable them is around that kind of theory, giving them as much flexibility, freedom of thought, support, um, giving them the education and tech and um, knowledge that they need to be successful. Uh, here's in practicality, this is how it looks like. Um, they have my credit card for the, I have to be careful what I say. They don't have my credit card, but they're, they've got liberal use of how they purchase items. If they feel they need an Oculus Go, they buy an Oculus Go. If they feel they need, um, you know, some, some resistors and components to make a, a, a breadboard for a, a sensor, well, then that's what they do. I don't restrict them and I don't slow them down because Come on. And so that, that motivates and enables them providing that support. I also with regards to risk. I mean, frankly, if, if you can't accept some risk, a, some political risk for allowing them to do that, but also to fail and spend some money and it doesn't work. Um, that's hard. And, and then there's the, all the other stuff that happens on the day to day business, being able to, to, to separate that or help them, um, work in the lab when they, for example, have other duties. So, helping them through that and providing them the support. So those are some of the ways I could probably talk for hours on how you it's, it really is. It's a leadership, uh, man, it's a leadership skill. It's a leadership, um, journey on, on trying to keep people motivated as well. And that's, you know, sometimes it's injecting people like yourselves that get energy to have energy and that energy rubs off and off you go. And, there's lots of different ways and means of doing it, but it's it's all around Dan Pink, I, I would say. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> to echo some of the things that you just said there, I never read any book from this uh, this author, but uh, I know that we live in a, a very, uh, I guess it's a culture of compliance, right? Nuclear is like, if it's not in procedure, you don't do it. And that really, to me, doesn't empower people. It does the opposite, right? Well, if it's not in procedure, I'm not going to do it. Boss, what do I do? So basically, in this space, it's like creating this startup company within a big company that's very compliance kind of uh, based to now, you know what? Take off all these procedures. Now I trust you. And, and you, you can do it. We have a certain budget, you know, you're just a technical expert. I'll rely on you. And then you see people's attitude really changing. And uh, I think I think it's probably some of what you just said there. And I think in the nuclear industry, and, and I'm sure there's some industries that are similar, very regulated. It's kind of a, people kind of lose their, you know, I'm doing engineering, but it's more like filling up forums and so on. But then when you get, you give them the opportunity, it's like the engineers comes back, right? And you, the smile comes back and everything. And I think that's part of what you just said yeah. there. Yeah, it, it is. <clears throat> I mean, it's it's measurable how things change. Yeah. And. Like Dom said, it doesn't take much. All it takes is a couple, hey, you can change this, or B, I support you to, or here's the money. And people starts, starts to talk. And uh, it's great because rumors work against you as a leader, but they also work for you. And so you use that. And, and getting people to say, yeah, you just let me buy the iPad. I didn't understand, but you just let me buy it. Okay, but you know what I mean. It's, it's, um, it's pushing limits that way. And that, that's... Um, um, that's addictive and and I think it it's like a virus it's contagious yeah and have you found I mean it's one thing to sort of create that space and that motivation to innovate within the lab or within that that group of you know of 
unhappy misfits who you're, you're empowering and making happy misfits. Um, it's another thing to push those innovations out through the utility where it is very compliance driven. And certainly I'm sure there was some skepticism at first. So curious to, uh, you know, did you encounter skepticism, people who were, uh, were not uh, as receptive to innovations and how did you, did you navigate that? It's still going on. <laughs> it's, it, I feel it's a, it's a, I don't want to say it's a constant battle, but it, it's something that's always there because you have people that are really operation driven. They're really driven by procedures. You know, it's a nuclear plant. You don't, you don't test things in a nuclear plant, right? So you just a word test as a kind of a stigma to it. You can't use that in a high level meeting and so on. So you do, you do have to face that quite often. It's an entire culture that you need to change. But I, I would say in the 12 years that I've been at Bruce Power, uh, this is the most exciting time that I've seen in, in, in all these years. Uh, things are changing. It, it's a very exciting time, and I can see a, a wind of change, and I guess it comes from the top down as well. And, and now that we have a long-term future, we have to think about these things, and I can see, I can see the change coming. And people don't like change. Yeah. I mean, look at the truck. You're our, it's a polarizing reaction. That is different than what I'm used to, <laughs> even though it might be freaking cool. It is different than what you're used to, and people don't like that. And how you impact that is, um, it's always what's in it for me. Change what's in it for them. So if you can make their life easier, then make it easier. And then all of a sudden, they start to believe. And the closer you are to the power plant, um, it, the better off it is. Because the closer you are to actually physically doing something, the better off you are. Because things will happen faster. And, you know, the way the lab kind of works to help motivate this is, you know, it's, it's like, imagine you're working at a bank and you're a bank teller and you're just doing work. And all of a sudden you're like, well, this is really dumb what I'm doing here. This procedure needs to change. And you can just turn around, change it because the lab's right behind you and then go right back to business and it's changed. And all of a sudden you're happier. And that's, that's the philosophy, you know, behavioral economics, choice architecture, how can you make it easy for people to behave the way you want them to behave? And this helps us with that journey. Yeah. It's tricky though. It is not easy. It's tricky. And I think what's important is to show and, and brag about these, these quick wins and show the value that actually affects like the podcasts like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's true. There's that element of t moving it from skepticism to, yeah. you know, people having a fear of missing out on the cool is stuff it? is happening and how do I get... <laughs> you, just, you just need to save one force outage or an equipment failure that you saw coming before everybody else and that's it whoa you just made the you know a, a statement there yeah there there is a chat there's a trick for, for innovation because i'm not sure you probably know this you know the first thing your executives ask is what's the return on investment what's the roi yeah and the funny thing is when you focus on the act of innovation uh how can you put a return on investment of with something that doesn't exist so you can't, but you need to still do the act of innovation, like what MPX is doing, or 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 what the lab's doing, or what the what what we're all doing without that philosophy. And and the nuclear industry does not understand that. And I would still say, as much as people in my business say they do, I don't think they do. I think we really need to understand the act of innovation. You don't know what's going to come. You will save a hundred million dollars by not doing a vacuum building outage. You know, you don't understand it. And it's, and I think it's, it's so important that we keep continue this journey and keep being strong because it, it, it's not easy to keep alive. Something like this can be, can be destroyed pretty quickly with a couple 
bad bad thoughts, right? I, li- I like the analogy of uh, you know the rowing rowing against the current, right? As soon as you slow down you just go back to where things were and i think it's a constant battle in this industry at least at the beginning i think we're just on the verge of a change that that might be quite drastic it's just that we're still against the current and on many many levels but that's why there's so many opportunities this industry is is awesome there's certain things certain things that were implemented 10 years ago in other industry they're not here so come and do it here that's that's a great opportunity you're going to change a business right so i think it's uh, there's a lot of things that we can we can do here that's uh, that's going to be uh, quite uh, changing there's a lot of innovation happening. I mean, we've got XLab, we have innovation nucleus. <coughs> it's happening in pockets, but you know, in this industry, there's a lot of the same pain points, a lot of the same issues, utility to utility, in North America, throughout the world. Is collaboration happening? Is it happening effectively? And if not, what are your thoughts on what we need to do to get there? Hmm. That's a good question. I think it's starting. I think there's more and more collaboration going. Um, is it something that's uh, seamless and I don't think so. there's still a lot of barriers, I think, in red tape and so on? And and what does it mean truly <laughs> collaborating? And, you know, if you ask a lawyer, you're going to get a different answer, right? So uh, I'm pretty naive. I'm so, <laughs> what do I do? Oh, here's my slide deck. And then, then Just I can don't ask it. the lawyers. <laughs> Just don't tell them. But no, I, 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 think, I think it's happening slowly. But I, I don't know what you think, Jason, but it, it could be definitely improved. Yeah, it, it's uh, so it's not happening very well. Um, there's just so much opportunity, and you know, I was lucky enough to attend a conference in Korea this previous June that just basically talked about it was a global forum on innovation in nuclear, and the purpose of it was to collaborate because we're not, and it's not really because you know there there's thoughts around you know this is my IP, this is your idea, this is my IP. It's not really, it's just, it's tough and it takes a lot of effort and it's hard for people to go first and there's no way of doing it. So it's not easy, like behavioral economics, not easy to collaborate Mm -hmm. and the technology is moving so fast and you're talking to people in the industry that are not, man, 60 year old white guys that are not used to, you know, AI. So all of a sudden they're trying to change and, um, they don't, it's hard to grasp. And so the A, they have to understand the technology on what's trying to be utilized. Then they have to find a way to make it easy for this whole industry to, to collaborate. That is in general, it's, you know, it's one, we're all hostages of each other. When Bruce does well, we do well. When, when we do well, Bruce does well because we all grow the industry. Mm-hmm. But, but we're also have to understand there's, um, other than the business aspects of it, we're also very secretive. On, the, on our performance, because we don't, I mean, it's just the nuclear industry. We have to be careful about so many different things. So the tendency is just to drop right back into non-collaboration. Although, strangely enough, we learn from each other so well in, in how a transformer fails or, you know, these pump motors over here has this deficiency. We learn so well there. Why can't we apply it? And I think it's so it's starting. Um, from the Candu Owners Group, I think it's starting. From NII, I think it's starting. I think NPX, um, it's starting. So we have to try to find ways to do to do better there. There is, um, I, you know, I'll talk later um, in another forum about it, but we're starting at COG, a, an innovation forum, just straight to, to collaborate. 
And then we'll have sub workshops from that to bring ideas up and, and start sharing ideas and technology to the point where it's like quid pro quo, because that's the word right now. <laughs> oh, yes. Is it, it, here's my tech, trade you for this right, tech, right. you know, and then yeah. we all learn. And this isn't big R&D stuff. If it's IP and it's, and it's good, we want to keep, well, we'll keep and, and ditto. But, um, but to share and even understand that it's out there is important. And then I'll go even further to say the academic community is doing terrible at it. And by that, I mean, they're incredible at research and development, but they, you know, I go to a university and ask them, what are you working on in machine learning and AI? And it takes weeks for them to gather it all because it's everywhere. Or I talk about, uh, you know, training in VR, give me some samples, see how I, maybe I can use it. Hard to gather up. And I think they're learning. They're learning very, very fast. And they realize that there's money to be had too. They can grow their research and development, their R&D programs. Uh, but um, it's not, they're not used to it. And we, we're, we're leading that. And we have to try to keep leading that. Yeah, I think it's so important to collaborate, communicate with each other about what is exciting, what's going on within the industry. But then also the other big gap is to the public at large, right? One about benefits of nuclear. We're still telling that story and sometimes struggling to tell that story, but also the story of innovation in the industry and what's exciting about it. So, um, you know, when you're talking to someone, uh, a friend or someone who doesn't know very much about the nuclear industry or, or what innovation means for us, what, like, what project do you talk about or what story do you tell? I think you and I are probably in the best position to talk about the nuclear <laughs> industry, yeah, <certainly. laughs> how exciting it is and everything Amazing. because we have this micro... Yeah, power the creator of the universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's... Um, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of uh, preconceived notion about nuclear and so on. And obviously, nuclear is not perfect, but nothing is. <laughs> and the thing is that we're facing, a, you know, a climate change crisis. I mean, the, the facts are there and everything. Nuclear has to be part of the equation. So people have to embrace it, you know, as part of the equation. I'm not saying that we should go nuclear 100%. It's there and let's use it because it makes sense. And now we're in a, <clears throat> in a situation where we have... You know, plants that are aging, we're refurbishing. That means they're going to be there for another, like, what, 30 years, 40 years? Let's make it work. And that's why there's so many exciting opportunities, because we're changing an industry. We're making it more appealing for the young people coming out of university. And I think, I think we need to really sell that. And I, I think nuclear, <laughs> in general, has been a very poor sales. Uh, you know, like we never sold it. It's as if we want to keep quiet because all oh, people don't like nuclear. So I'm going to stay quiet. You know, Let, let's not make any noise. Uh, I think we need to get out there and show the benefits. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I, I can't, that's a good answer. Ed. So again, it's hard to add uh, the, um, some of the technology. So I have two, two, two areas where I like to talk. If you're in the nuclear industry, it's different. I talk different. And, and uh, one, we're, we're working on one project right now that has uh, analog to digital uh, um, gauges. So the industry, if you've ever walked down the plant, you have a lot of analog gauges that has information that can be used, yet we don't use it. It doesn't go into the, in the plant information system, our PI system. And because of that, you can't, you, you can't diagnose performance or troubleshooting and that data is immediately lost. So we've got a project right now where we're trying to apply all these adapters that turn an analog needle into a digital readout that goes directly to a gateway, which goes directly to your plant information system, which goes directly to your machine learning um, platform, our M&D center, and then directly gets diagnosed as something that's wrong. And that also removes walkdowns, it removes um, 
operator burdens. It, there's all kinds of opportunities for it. So in the nuclear industry, I love talking about it because they're used to these gauges and they just, oh my gosh, it's not that big a deal. And it's still tough to do. But, um, but I like talking that in the nuclear industry. And when I'm outside and I talk to my friends, that's where I do like to talk a bit about the, the VR and the AR type, you know, breaking out a fueling machine in an augmented reality environment so you can learn is fascinating and we had our take to kids take our kids to work day the the um oh geez, a month ago maybe and amazing to see their 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 just brains explode on on the augmented reality they're used to vr kids know it better than we do now but um but it's really interesting to see how that applies and then they can see hey you're not just the old company you are looking at new technologies mm -hmm. Right. Um, I'm going to open it up to our team for questions in a second, but just one last question for me. Uh, you, you both have busy jobs. You're kind of running accelerators on the side. <laughs> um, how do you stay refreshed? Like, how do you, you know, kind of keep uh, yourselves excited, motivated, balanced, if that's a word that you apply to yourselves? <laughs> that's a tough one i mean there's a stuff called coffee it works really well that, that works well yes the, the you know it, 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 everyone yeah yeah i'm passionate when you when you stick to your passions no matter what you do you're, you're going to be motivated and when it stops becoming your passion and something else is you should change but um and I think for me, what keeps me motivated is, especially in this space, I'm lucky enough in innovation and engineering and leadership, I'm really lucky because there's so much to learn and the environment is so huge or to just the ecosystem is so large that you can learn so much and do so much goodness, so much greatness that it just automatically just makes me feel good. And when I feel good, I'm motivated and engaged. And um, so, it's, so that's a really tough question. I think that everyone should kind of internalize what motivates them intrinsically. But um, that keeps me motivated. Things like this keeps me motivated. Um, and and actually, you know, making a difference kind of makes me keeps me motivated. Yeah, and I think I think we're in a situation where I mean, it's quite unique at, at Bruce Power, the position I have. And I really, again, I'm very grateful about this. But yesterday we had this year review of the year, right? What did we accomplish in our small nucleus? We're not that many people. And holy cow, did we achieve it? And, and you know, a lot of things that are actually of value for the business. And also when I look at the, the small group again, and the influence we had this year on even business decisions on technology from an IT perspective, you know, as, you know, future orientation of the IT technology, like we had a role to play in that. And we actually side shift towards something that would benefit a lot of people. Um, all of these little things that the support from my, my, my VP, <clears throat> who's basically said, yeah, done. This is great. Like continue <clears throat> some budget next year now. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so that's always, really that, that's, that's also, you know, fueling. the co coffee is good too, <clears throat> but, uh, all of these things put together makes your, your job very exciting. Of course, working with NPX pretty awesome too. Um, but uh, and we have <laughs> no. I think I think there's quite a few ingredients that when you put them together, it makes your you know go through some. It's not always rosy. Don't get me wrong. There's ups and downs. It's like a roller coaster. But uh, overall, when I look at look back at the year and look at what I'm doing now, it's it's really. Uh, it's really exciting. Yeah, no, I, we've certainly said that to ourselves a number of times since starting NPX. It's, you know, we're working many more hours than ever before, but it hasn't felt like work, really. Mm. So thank you both so much. One, for your energy and enthusiasm. And I think uh, 
just conveying the um, your both your journeys, but also your excitement for for where this industry is going is really powerful. So thank you both so much. Thank you. Very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the NPX Innovation Chatalyst podcast. To hear the full podcast and to subscribe, you can go to Apple Podcasts, Google, or wherever podcasts are available.